You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat here on CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm Dinah Jansen. On September 28th, Queen's University announced that the National Gallery of Canada is introducing a new internship program in art conservation to increase diversity in the field in partnership with the Queen's University Art Conservation Program. And with us today to chat about this new initiative is Patricia Smithen, Director of the Master of Arts Conservation Program here at Queen's University. Welcome, Trish. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us here today on Campus Beat. So Trish, before diving in, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role in the art conservation program. Sure, I wear two main hats in this job and my main job is teaching. I'm an assistant professor and I teach painting conservation. My other role is director of the Master of Art Conservation program. And in fact, I graduated from this program myself in 1993. Um, So I'm just in my fifth year of teaching, and I came to this job after 25 years as a practicing conservator working mainly in public art galleries. Fantastic. So let's tease that out a little bit more. And for the benefit of students thinking about careers in art conservation, let's learn more about how you found yourself as an administrator of an arts conservation program. And let's hear about more about your career as an art conservator. Sure. Um, Art conservation is a funny old field and it can take you on many paths. And when I graduated from Queens in 1993, I did a few fellowships and internships at the Canadian Conservation Institute, the Detroit Institute of Arts, and I spent some time working in a private studio in Montreal. And uh, then a job came up at the Tate in London for uh, a conservator for modern and contemporary paintings, just when Tate Modern was starting to open. And I applied and I got that job, which was amazing. So I spent the bulk of my career over in London at Tate working with modern contemporary paintings. And uh, so my specialism is paintings and painted surfaces and modern and contemporary art conservation. And um, after uh, I was there for about 20 years and then this job came up, And I applied and I was delighted to work at Queen's because uh, it's the only master's program in Canada and I am the only paintings professor in the program. So it's both a wonderful opportunity but an awesome responsibility. Indeed. Oh, wow. So I'd like to learn a little bit more from you, if we can, Trish, about the science of the art itself. Uh, For the non-specialists out there that are listening, can we learn more about what art conservation is and does and what kinds of techniques are used? How are they chosen? And ultimately, let's learn more about why art conservation itself is so important to cultural history, too. That's a really big question. (laughs) I'll do my best to answer it. Um, So uh, art conservation is often a hidden profession because we sort of work behind the scenes um, uh, for the most part. And I think the most basic definition of what we do is, is we work to care for and preserve our cultural heritage. So to do that, conservators examine, analyze, and interpret objects. We conserve and restore them. And we work to prevent them from getting damaged in the first place. 
And we're a bit of a magpie profession in that we steal approaches and equipment and methodology from many other fields. Um, so we often steal from the geological sciences or from cleaning science um, or from our history. And um, this is because the conservator really relies on their knowledge of history and technical history, material science. Um, and we sort of combine all these things within a professional ethical framework to ensure we really understand what actions we're taking so we can anticipate the consequences of our actions, both mm -hmm. physically and ethically. Um, yeah, I feel like there might be, yeah, I like how you talked about the geological sciences. I imagine there's some chemistry in there as well. There's always a little bit of chemistry. You have to have some chemistry to get into the program. And uh, we've been really fortunate. We have some new equipment here in conservation. We have uh, something called an X-ray fluorescence. Um, we've got two X-ray fluorescence machines and one is um, an M6 jet stream, Ooh. which the, the um, geological sciences are, are courting us to, to get some time on our instruments. So we're really delighted to have a toy that they want to play with as well. Um, and it's really wonderful. We've been using some one, wonderful advanced techniques to, um, uh, for this one, it, for instance, um, it doesn't, you don't have to sample from the object. So you can put a painting under this instrument and it scans across the surface and it gives us information about the elements. So we can identify pigments. And from that, we can look at the patterns of pigments across the surface. We can, it can help establish authenticity. It can give us information about how the artist painted it and when the artist painted it, um, and also how the object might've changed over time. So it's really exciting um, to have some cutting edge technology in our program. Oh, let's dig a little deeper into that. I'd, I'd really love to learn more about the conservator's role, the conservator's role in interpreting and translating cultural artifacts with an eye for not only preservation, but also for storytelling. So how does, another big question for you, Trish, how does the method help convey particular messages and ultimately whose messages at that? That's, I mean, that's another big question. Um, I think it all comes down to, to looking at objects. And for me, it's about paintings because that's my specialism, but it doesn't have to be a painting. It could be a textile, it could be a dress, um, it could be a rock. Um, it could be a box, it could be anything that somebody finds interesting. And when we find something that's interesting visually, we, we look at it first with our eyes. And what these instruments then um, allow us to do is look a little bit more deeply and from different angles and get different kinds of information. So even our amazing M6 jet stream really just gives us some more images and some more ways of looking at the object and understanding it. And once we have all that information, we can start to tease together a little bit of a narrative and develop those stories, the stories of the objects, of the, the history of that object and its place in our society, um, both from uh, you know, something that was created by a human at a particular point of time, but then also how it's been cared for and valued or not cared for and valued um, in, the, in the subsequent years. And beyond that, we can delve further and you know, go down all sorts of little rabbit holes. So we could look at the canvas and look at the canvas weave and then go into the technology of, um, of canvas making and how they made those fibers and where those fibers came from. And, oh, okay, now let's go and talk about flax 
And uh, all of a sudden you have this flax plant in the Netherlands that you can make both the, the linseed oil, which paint, which creates the paint and the fiber, which is woven into the canvas all on mm. the same object. So you, it, it's wonderful in that it just leads you down all sorts of wonderful paths to, to different stories. Now, uh, Trish, let's shift our focus over to the internship program, the new internship program through the Art Conservation Program and in partnership with the National Art Gallery of Canada. Tell us more about it and its inspirations and goals. We're so excited about this program. It's actually a National Gallery program, and um, uh, it was... uh, Oh, and so I got a phone call from Stephen Britt, who is the director of the National Gallery, and uh, he had this little pot of money. And Stephen is a wonderful supporter of our program and of the education for conservation. He used to teach art conservation himself um, in the UK. And uh, said, Trish, what are we going to do? Should we, how should we position this? How should we position these funds? And what, what can we do with them? And the, one of the things that we've been really looking for are ways to increase diversity in the field. We have been thinking of that and they've been thinking of that. We've had conversations about this over the years. So we've, we did a bit of research. We talked to people who are running similar programs. And with this money, um, Stephen was able to establish four internship placements at the National Gallery. And the idea for this is that we'll... Um, will find people who are ready to come to conservation, who can be accepted to the program, that maybe need a little boost to feel confident in in entering this program, because it is weird. We do need uh, backgrounds from both the humanities and the sciences, and that can be intimidating. So the idea is this might break down some of those barriers, give somebody a chance to embed themselves in the profession, really understand what they get into, Um, The National Gallery is providing mentorship. They're showing them all the different departments that are happening at the National Gallery. We're also working with the Canadian Conservation Institute, which has cutting edge facilities and amazing research facilities. So the the candidates get to go to the CCI and speak to the people there and talk to specialists there and really just give them a leg up into the program so they feel really confident and they have the best chance to succeed when they they enter into the the Queen's program in September. And it's also really well funded. They get $25,000, which covers their... um, their expenses while they're in Ottawa so that they can afford to be have time in the labs and also some of those expenses can then go to help or the funds can help pay for their um, their first year at Queens. Wow that's huge wow amazing so let's learn more from you Trish about the importance of diversity in art conservation in your view. Diversity is important everywhere um, we feel really strongly that the our field should look like the population. And when you look at the breakdown of the Canadian population, our field has been overwhelmingly white. And it, it's, it, mm-hmm. that just shouldn't be happening anymore. It's ridiculous that that is the case. And we do struggle somewhat because we're, we do have these weird requirements of the conservation and the, and the science. 
in the humanities. We're also a little hidden, not that many people know about us as a profession. So one of the great things about this fellowship is um, we're hoping to be able to uh, trumpet it far and wide. So maybe make a few more people aware that we're here and really attract um, some, uh, some of those uh, people who might not know we existed. And the whole idea is to, is to shift that balance and make it more appropriate and make it the way it should be. Yes, great. Um, now, what can Black and Indigenous conservators at the entry level then expect when they enter the program in terms of practice, uh, mentorship, placement, and even the actual art of the science, if you will? Sure, it's such a fantastic opportunity. So um, um, applicants, prospective students should uh, apply to the Queen's program. And uh, once uh, we have the applications, we start talking to the National Gallery and the, uh, 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 and together we will be able to select who is, who's the intern for the year. And the, um, the person who's successful will uh, be coming to our program in September. So they will start at the National Gallery in the previous summer and they will work alongside Stephen Grit, who's the director of the program. And he'll match them up with a conservator or a series of conservators in their specialist area of interest. So this past summer, our first student was Tirza Harris. She's with us now and she spent the summer uh, with Stephen Grit, who's a paintings conservator in his lab and, and all the other people in the lab. And she was telling me that she spent time with all the different specialisms. And so she really got to hear what was going on. She got an understanding. She kind of shadowed them a little bit. So she saw the loans activity and the exhibition and display activity. And she spent some time looking at paintings under the microscopes and with different techniques in the lab and really got a sense of the sort of work they do at the museums. Uh, she's still in touch with them and they they've made a commitment to continue her mentorship both through our program and beyond into her early career. And now how can prospective students apply for this internship moving forward and, and learn more about the program itself? Um, there are a couple of things you can do. The first thing is to look, um, is to apply to us at Queen's University. Uh, you can check out our website and we've got lots of information there for prospective students. And even if you just wanna to talk to somebody before getting into all that, just contact us at artcon um, at queensu.co.uk, sorry, artcon at queens.ca. And, um, we can uh, hook you up with a professor or with uh, current students, and you can just have a chat about what our program is like. The um, Art Ga the National Gallery of Canada also has an inquiry um, email, and they've got a really great video on YouTube. So if you just Google Diversity Internship National Gallery of Canada, that will, conservation, that'll pop up, and it's a really great introductory video, and that will lead you into their pathway to talk to them about the, um, about the actual program. Wonderful. Thanks. Anything else to add before we close today, Trish? I, I just wanted to say thanks to the National Gallery of Canada. They have been such supporters of our program, and we're so delighted to be in partnership with them. We're really, really grateful for this opportunity. Fantastic. Folks, we have been chatting with Patricia Smithen, the director of the Master of Arts Conservation Program here at Queen's University, all about the new internship program and learning quite a lot about art conservation in and of itself. Thank you so much for joining us, Trish. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me, Dinah.
everyone. Welcome to another edition of Campus Bee Time, Dinah Jansen. And it's homecoming week here at Queen's University. Kaya, kaya, kaya. Everybody needs to get excited and uh, get in the mood because there's some really, really exciting stuff happening all weekend long. And to tell us a little bit about what's going to be happening at this year's homecoming today, I am welcoming Sarah Franca, the Executive Director Alumni Strategy aboard the Good Ship campus beat today. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to really exciting stuff happening for all of us uh, right here in Kingston, but all of us mm -hmm. alumni across the planet. So before we get right into all of the great things that we're going to be doing this year, tell us about yourself and your own role in the office in the Office of Advancement at, here at Queen's University. Sure, of course. Um, so I have such a fun job. Um, I work with colleagues in advancement and across the university, and we basically just work on ways to meaningfully engage our, our alumni around the world and give them opportunities to stay connected and to just reinforce their sense of pride and affinity towards the university. Amazing. And what do you love? Why do you love the work you do in alumni relations? Gosh, I, as I think I just said, I have the best job. I'm celebrating Queens, which is one of the top institutions in the country. And I just love sharing that enthusiasm with alumni and colleagues. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I might slip into the role of professional bragger <laughs> at times, and it's so much fun. Um, and at the same time, I also really appreciate that not all of our alumni may have had the best experiences as students or alumni. So, I like learning more about that and seeing what we can do better as an institution. So it's all about the relationship between the alumni and the school. Amazing. Now mm -hmm. let's dive right into homecoming 2021. Tell us about this year's homecoming activities and, and what alumni around the world can expect. Oh my goodness. It is absolutely fabulous. So working with, again, these colleagues across advancement and across the university, we have put together a very exciting virtual program over the four days. Um, and this is between October 14th and the 17th. We have all kinds of different sessions and activities. Um, and really we've worked hard uh, because we want alumni and friends who attend to really make this their own. And we've been referring to this homecoming as a choose your own adventure event. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's honestly so exciting. Uh, everyone has the opportunity to watch live content, like a couple of exciting panels that we have, one about the road to recovery, about life in the pandemic world, one about women in leadership, which features six distinguished alumni from different fields. And we have interviews, including one with our new chancellor, Marie Sinclair, mm -hmm. uh, Sheila Rogers, one of our co-hosts is interviewing him, which is a lot of fun. Also, given that they're cousins, it's just this really, it's this really warm, exciting conversation. Uh, we have student features like the three minute thesis sessions, uh, we have polls, trivia, behind the scenes on-demand videos of labs and campus spaces like the Faculty of Education Medicine Garden, and we're live streaming the Queens football game at 3 p.m. on the Saturday. And then I guess last but not least, our exclusive musical performance by Juno award-winning artist William Prince. Wow. So there is literally something for everyone. Amazing. I'm so excited too. So for the logistics portion, how can alumni register and learn more about homecoming events? Awesome. So alumni and friends, you don't necessarily have to be an alum to participate. We welcome everyone. Uh, the, the link that they would go to is www 
queensu.ca forward slash alumni forward slash homecoming. And then they can go there, they can check out the program, they can register. Um, so we, we hope they do. We hope people join us. Fantastic. And now I guess it might be a really hard question, but what's exciting you most about this year's homecoming? Okay, so this is not a fair question at all. Um, there are so many things I'm excited about. Uh, like, for example, the Smith event on the Thursday evening, which is hosted by Dean Costin, features a Q&A with Olympian Tessa Virtue. Mm -hmm. Super exciting. Uh, she's currently an EMBA student at Smith. So we're very lucky that we managed to get her. Um, we have some really unique on-demand content, like a, a virtual tour of campus that some engineering students created using Minecraft. Mm -hmm. Super fun. Um, and then some of the collaborative offerings, like the Conflict Analytics Lab feature. It's a lab, uh, it's a project between Law and Smith. So I love kind of bringing that interdisciplinary piece together. And then, I mean, really Dean Jane Philpott, uh, she's interviewing Gardner Award winner, Dr. Elizabeth Eisenhower on the Saturday. Honestly, I cannot pick, I cannot choose one thing. <laughs> All right. I, I guess one other question, too, I think that we should talk about as well. There is a lot of work and many team members involved <laughs> in organizing uh, homecoming year after year, and uh, particularly this year, as well as last year, uh, everything's been virtual. So these prevent new opportunities and challenges, too. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the logistics and, and the hard teamwork that has uh, gone into uh, all this year's uh, all of the planning for this year? Oh my goodness. It is, it takes a village, not even, not even an exaggeration. Um, it's pretty extraordinary. We, we've been very lucky. We work very closely. Our Marcom team and advancement has been just absolute heroes um, as they kind of oversee the event and the, the hop in platform aspect. Our, our IT group has been phenomenal. Um, my team and alumni strategy have been heroes. Our colleagues across campus, it honestly and truly has been such a collaboration. Really, it's a collaboration between 16 different campus units putting this together. Mm -hmm. And we have over 21 sessions happening in real time and um, over 83 different speakers. It's, it, is, it is like the Academy Awards, just being stretched over four days. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just, I'm very grateful for how wonderful all of our colleagues across campus have been in terms of just pulling this together. It's not easy. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, congratulations to you and your team on the uh, great efforts that have been undertaken so far and best wishes for smooth running. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so Let much. there be no technical glitches. <laughs> oh, from your lips. Yes, yes. Anything else to add before we close today, Sarah? Um, I think just again, all alumni and friends are welcome and everyone can note that all of our sessions are being recorded so people can pop in and watch content after it happens and we'll be re-releasing some of the content after homecoming as well. So this will be the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Folks, we have been chatting with Sarah Franca, Executive Director, Alumni Strategy here at Queen's University, all about Homecoming 2021, which is starting in just a couple of days. And don't forget that CFRC 101.9 FM, your campus radio station, is also going to be broadcasting proceedings from 10 o'clock in the morning, main stage events right up through the football game and final show with William Prince. We're very excited to participate once again this year, too. It's, it's a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. Oh, the pleasure is ours. Thank you so much, Diana.
Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.